Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is a podcast by the Cohere Collective, here to help guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you. This week, I am joined by a creative, a creativity instructor, a creativity researcher, and artist, Vincent Andrews. Vincent is actually the husband of a dear friend of mine, and he practices primarily in sculpture, but also has some really beautiful architectural photography, and is currently getting his doctorate in research about creativity, integrating it into education systems. Before we hop into the interview, be sure to give this video a like. If you are on audio over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us five stars and leave me a review slash rating. And if you're on YouTube, give me a comment down below and subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe, like, review, rate, all the things that we're supposed to say for the things. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here. And I'm really excited to share this episode with you. With all of that being said, let's take a deep breath. And get into it. Then we're just going to hop right into it. Vincent, thank you so much for joining me today and taking the time to have this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So... First things first, the question I always ask everyone who comes on, what is one thing you're grateful for today? Um, I'd say I'm, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful that I've just had the opportunity to do some of the things that I've been really interested in and um, continue to just show my passion and show other people um, what I'm passionate about. I love that. I, of course, at Cohere Collective and Making Meaning, passion is like what we encourage everyone to pursue. So the fact that you've had the opportunity to do that is lovely and wonderful. Um, now, second question I always ask, what is your story? I know that that is kind of a hefty question. So however you feel called to answer that in this moment, go for it. Um, I'd say, I think my story is really one about navigating the arts and navigating creativity. Um, and I feel like most of my life I've kind of shown that I've had a general aptitude towards the arts and, and creativity even in general. Um, but trying to figure out like what role that would play in my life and uh, how I would use it in the future. Because it's, it's especially hard. And I, I talk to a lot of my students now um, when, when they're really good artists and they're trying to make decisions about what to do with their lives or if they're just really good creatively. Um, I tell them it's like most of our culture pushes students away from the arts. Um, um, so especially when you're considering your futures, uh, most students are always leaning towards becoming a doctor or nurse, things like that. Um, but I tell them like really tap into your skills and your interests. Um, and I think really my story has been about, okay, how can I use all the resources allotted to me currently in whatever state I, I'm in in my life? Um, how can I use that to get me to where I want to be in the end? Yeah. No, I think that's great. Um, so often, <laughs> I think it's really easy to ignore the resources we do have right in front of us. 
Um, But also it's hard when maybe we don't have a lot of resources to be able to do something being smart with how we use them. So that's really wonderful. Now, um, for our listeners, you are an expert in creativity. You are currently a professor mm-hmm. of creativity, and that is kind of your jam. Um, you have a background in sculpture and then, of course, studying creativity. So just diving in, first question, how would you define creativity? Um, I'd, I'd probably say like creativity is generally like the ability to... Um, Thing on a fundamental level like take the things that you've learned um and a lot of it is done unconsciously so it's not necessarily you you doing the taking but uh, really just an engagement with things that you've learned um and in being able to um turn all those experiences and those ideas um into a generation of new thoughts and new ideas um and i mentioned that a lot of it is is done unconsciously because there's a lot of work on the conscious level to like learn content and to become technically proficient at anything um, that you're trying to learn um, within any domain specifically. Uh, but somehow I, I, I personally believe unconsciously um, all these, uh, all these learn experiences um, ultimately um, are resolved by uh, internal unconscious um methods within within ourselves um so it's really having the patience to allow that to happen um not trying to consciously exploit that all the time but i think it just comes with practice and and comes with being open um and comes with being inquisitive um, Mm. trying constantly trying to learn new things um all those play a role into how your creativity will ultimately evolve i love that so what do you think the main difference is between the subconscious aspect of creativity and a more conscious aspect of creativity? Because I totally agree with you that it creativity feels like one of those things that is kind of like an unseen constant for us all. But of course, certain people I think are more skilled at tapping into that. What do you think that is? Um, so I'd, I'd say like the biggest difference is it comes down to like the levels of creativity. So um, I guess if you were to research creativity more, there's a thing called big C creativity, um, which like new novel ideas that could be um, socially, environmentally, um, really like a culturally changing type level of creativity. When you think of like Einstein's like, ideas of that really changed and revolutionized like how people viewed math and science like those are big c type level creativities um so i think the unconscious plays more of a role that type of creativity and it 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 takes a while to develop that but i think most of the time we're working uh within like a small rc level creativity where it's like if if you're driving to work one day and you're trying to figure out the best way to get to work and you just have an idea mm. to say, oh, I'm going to go this other route um, because this other thing has been slow. Like little C creativity is like more mundane and it's things that happen regularly and it's not really a new or revolutionary idea per se. Um, and it may be a new idea to you, but it's probably an idea that somebody else has probably used. So generally, if we're working in work environments, 
and we're working in groups trying to come up with new ideas, um, you'll often find that a lot of those ideas are um, ideas that people have probably used before and you're kind of working through um, what you know consciously to be creative and, and you can come up with smaller C creativity through those methods, but the, it's very rare that you're in a group session and you're working with somebody and you come up with a revolutionary idea that's gonna change the whole world, really. Sure. <laughs> I think a lot of the times people are discouraged from thinking that they are a creative person. Um, Because one, I think like you said, we do kind of live in a society that discourages people from pursuing typically creative paths. And from my point of view, it seems like a lot of the time people don't view this small C creativity as like true creativity, that only big C creativity is actual creativity and like, oh, well, that's for creative people, but I'm not creative, even though you're, you may be doing small C creativity every single day. Yeah. Why do you think that is, that there is such a um, disconnect between the two and maybe a lack of appreciation for small C mm-hmm. creativity? Well, I think it kind of goes into what I was telling you earlier, where parents don't want their children generally to be artists or to be musicians or performers and things like that because they're traditionally known to not bring in money. You're going to go to Los Angeles or New York and struggle trying to become um, an artist or a performer or something like that. Um, And I think really just culturally there's this association with creativity and the fine arts. And I think that's the main problem. Um, So when people think about creativity, like I said, people push people away from it because they're like, oh, if you're creative, then... And you ask most people, are you creative? They're thinking about whether or not they're good in painting or drawing or sculpting, things like that. Um, But they aren't thinking about the things, like you said, that they may be doing all these mini C creativity things throughout the day in different domains that they don't normally associate with creativity because, um, because it's not art necessarily. And that's a big part of the research that I'm actually doing now um, as a doctoral student is I'm trying to illustrate what creativity looks like in other domains because because I don't like the fact that we associate it and we, we limit it to the arts. And I was like, we really need to look at it across the board. And if we can start to develop and cultivate creativity, um, even within these other classes, um, we can really start to grow the level of achievement from, from students and, and our innovations um, in both technology, science, mathematics, um, and all those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. So what have you found is the most, um, either the biggest hurdle to the work that you're trying to do to kind of break that silo between fine arts and its connection to creativity? What's what's the biggest hurdle there? Yeah, I, mean, I think the biggest hurdle that I'll have overall, and most people notice it in education, my, my main program is educational studies. Um, it's the fact that traditionally our, our model for education has been the same for mm. um, since the beginning. And it's people are really hesitant to change or, or to think about alternatives to the way that we educate students currently. Um, so when you, I think creativity is a little less controversial than some of the, the other things that people might want to incorporate that, that maybe even we know we need to incorporate. Um, and that's what excites me because most people... Um, will agree that creativity is substantially important um, right. and it's just interesting that we still don't incorporate it in any type of way so um, 
part of what I'm doing is like really show teachers, administrators, um, policymakers that creativity um, comes through every domain and we don't have to necessarily change the system. Um, it's just about really educating the teachers of what creativity looks like, um, teaching students about the creative process, uh, working to identify it within all those domains, um, and then just find ways to incorporate it into the system that we already have. Yeah, no, I think that's great because like you said, it's going to be impossible to change a system, especially one as big and complex as education um, overnight. But beginning to imbue the already daily process of educating with these kind of baby steps towards creativity will hopefully start to see that evolution take place. Um, so that's one of the biggest hurdles. What do you think is the um, biggest, I guess, progress you've seen so far in really trying to make this work happen and begin um, communicating to people that we're all inherently creative? What's been one of your biggest wins, I guess? Um, I think really just talking to talking to the public about it, talking to people who who aren't administrators, talking to parents, um, because it's, it's funny when I have conversations with just random strangers or parents and, and they hear this and they're just like, that makes complete sense. And it's just like, why aren't we doing it? And it's, it's just funny that there are some easy concepts that we can incorporate into our education that give students more flexibility and individuality. Um, but we just, we're too afraid to do it because we have all these deadlines that we need to meet, mm. um, all these benchmarks and standards that we need to um, kind of stick with. Um, and we, we really, we need more leaders who are willing to um, be creative enough to explore alternatives to what we're doing at the very yeah. least. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something you said at the beginning before we dive deeper into the kind of education system, because I definitely want to keep exploring that. Um, but to tie back to kind of your definition of creativity, you mentioned that it's something we can practice. How would you tell someone that maybe doesn't have any experience with creativity to start practicing and growing that muscle? What does practicing creativity look like? Uh, I really think it's it kind of starts with having that technical knowledge or content knowledge. I think you, you need to be like really proficient in something, mm -hmm. whether that's dance or sports or math, science, art. Um, so it kind of starts with really committing to just learning what it, whatever it is that you're passionate about or whatever it is that you're already good at. Um, it's possible to have a lot of knowledge um, in something and still not be creative. Um, so I think a big part of that, too, is the development of an inquisitive nature. Like, you have to be able to ask questions about the information that you're learning or that you already know. Um, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. You see a lot of scientists, mathematicians who um, become consumed with, uh, with a lot of theories and methods that were done before them, and they never reach that level of creativity because um, they kind of hold these things to be true, and they don't necessarily question whether or not maybe parts of that might not be true and maybe right. there's other alternatives. Um, so you need to like, I don't know, it's difficult because you can learn a lot about a lot of things, um, but you really have to start with your passion and usually your passion is going to lead you towards trying to 
ask those questions and trying to figure out alternatives to things and, and pushing yourself to be better. Um, so I think that's the way that you start to practice. Um, but then occasionally you just need to, um, a part of creativity is incubation. If, if you, you, you delve into creative research, um, really meaning like you have to like allow your, your brain, you have to get into a state of like almost meditation or relaxation mm. where you're not so consumed consciously. It's like after you learn these things, um, and I mentioned it earlier, like your the, the unconscious part of you will start to um, take all that information and try to resolve it into new ideas if you're already asking questions. Um, but you need to give yourself space to allow that to happen. Um, if you're always consciously trying to learn new things or you're always consciously consumed with other things and your brain is always working, um, then you don't allow that space for your brain to um, resolve that information in any sort of way. Um, so I think that's part of practice. Most people, again, most people in our culture aren't used to slowing down. We're so consumed yeah. with TV and phones and um, people don't necessarily like to just go out on the lake and just sit and try not to think um, mm. or practice meditation and, and all those things. And I think those movements are starting to grow a little more, but a big part of just being creative is putting yourself in that space and allowing it to happen. Like I think it happens frequently with artists because you'll find most artists are in the studio and they're, even though they're working really hard technically um, all the time, sometimes artists will just sit in their studio and they don't know what's going to happen and they just allow things to happen. And I think the same can be said for a dancer or um, somebody who plays sports and, and things like that. So it's just, right. As hard as you, you want to work to try to come up with new new ideas and things, it's like you do that and you do you do have to put in a lot of work, but you also have to be able to just slow down and give your space to, mm. to process that information. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like a, a it feels paradoxical, right? Because like you were saying, so much of like, oh, we're going to innovate and push forward and come up with new ideas. That's usually associated with like hard work, nose to the grindstone, um, day in day out time but exactly like you're saying like the research shows us we need time to pause let information like yeah. fully process and allow new things to arise to truly get that innovation yeah. and creativity um and it almost reminds me a little bit i hate this phrase because it's such like a buzzword but like the self-care kind of movement that's happening yeah. where it's like allow yourself time for rest and um, taking care of yourself, but it's like, just speaking from personal experience, when I am just paying attention to how I feel or allowing myself to take breaks and pause, that is when some of, I think my best work happens is like yeah. in those spaces in between. So that totally at least resonates with me and my own kind of work that I'm doing. Um, yeah, so I think you kind of cool. alluded to the fact earlier that that we may be doing creative things in so many ways throughout the day. And I think part of it is just learning about the creative process. That's a, mm. a good way to practice um, and starting to learn how to recognize what is creativity. And I think once you start to recognize that, hey, I'm doing all these other things that I don't norm normally or typically associate with it, um, it, it kind of feeds you. And um, I, I find it's a lot easier to be creative um, when when you understand that process. Um, and when you can recognize the things that you're already doing and, and if you can yeah. recognize like how often things are happening, you can kind of start to 
get into your creative flow. And a lot of people have written books on how to get into the creative flow. Um, but a lot of it's recogni- recognition and understanding how it mm. actually works. Yeah, totally. Um, and realizing like you, most people probably have already done it at some point and yeah. just allowing that to happen. So you've said a couple times creative process. And I think that that's a word that most people hear. And it's like, like you said, it typically is associated with the fine arts and like, what is your creative process? But for this more everyday creativity or even bigger C creativity. Creative processes, a lot of the pieces that I described to you earlier. So it's, it starts with that content knowledge, technical practice, um, becoming really proficient at whatever domain it is. Um, the next piece is having that inquisitive nature, um, that development of being able to ask those questions. And I think a lot of that just really comes from the type of educators that you have. Um, I found that it's really, uh, while well, I used to work in a classical school and using like Socratic methods of teaching where you're asking students questions versus telling them what the answer is and teaching them right. how to think for themselves. Um, that's all, that's really important. You have to learn how to do that. Um, but then I think there's um, a lot of researchers um, haven't talked as much about it as uh, interdisciplinarity. So um, the fact that y- you know a lot about one area um, I think it's also important that you're trying new things and you're experimenting with new things um, because I think that's specifically when creativity happens is when you're combining an old idea that you have um, with something new that that you just learned. And a lot of people probably find that they, they get their most creative ideas when they're learning something new mm. um, um, because you kind of start to see it in a different way and it's just something in your brain that clicks at the right moment. Um, and it allows it to happen. But then the last piece, that incubation that, that we talked about. And I mean, really there's no like magic amount of time that can, uh, can bring about creativity. So for some people it could happen really fast. Um, some people it could take a while. So it's another thing I'm really interested in like researching within the classroom is incubation. Like how much free time can we allow for students to, um, kind of develop their creativity and allow them to to have those moments of excitement. Um, mm. But it, it'd be pretty controversial because, like I said, for some kids, it may never happen. Um, and for others, it may just take a long time and others, it may happen right away. So um, you probably end up wasting more time for a lot of kids than, <laughs> than anything. But I'm like, there's a lot of ways to do incubation. So maybe we can just uh, practice meditation methods or something for a few minutes with the kids or, or something. And um, it's probably likely to contribute to their long-term um, creative development, regardless if they can kind of understand how to do those types of things. Yeah, totally. Um, that makes so much sense to me. And I love that thinking about it in this in these three parts of like the content knowledge, being inquisitive, and then allowing for that incubation time. Those three things, I'm like, can be applied to anything right and that i think really is the cool part of listening to you talk about creativity is that i just see how it does arise in so many things and like you said it's something athletes do right like being creative about how to um like what play to call or how to adjust when you're in the moment in order to like be the most effective you can be um absolutely that takes creativity and that is I don't know that's just wildly fascinating to me and 
encouraging to hear how it really can be applied in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah, And it's actually funny because I was thinking just the other day that even as I think about creativity, there's like this knowledge level, like this internal brain power um, type of creativity that that we've been talking about most of this. Um, But I also think there's like this creativity and physical movement and Mm. more of this association of like how people are working. Um, And I even adapted my definition of creativity because I used to always think of it as just uh, just learning within your brain, just content knowledge of something. Um, but it, it, it can also be like perform or performative almost like through sports or dance and all those. Um, so I kind of equate creativity to those moments. They call, uh, what do they call it in sports when you like get into the zone? Um, oh, I yeah, think yeah, those yeah. are like moments of creativity and I'm wanting to research that a little more too, but it's, it's like that point where you just, you're so proficient at something and you've done it so many times that you just don't have to think about it anymore. Right. Um, and that's generally how it is through learning as well. Um, but during those moments um, that happen for athletes, they always say that I don't even know what happened. Like it's, it's like everything just kind of came together and it's, it's always yeah. the people who practice a lot and put in a lot of work um, and put a lot of conscious effort into practicing. I mean, and eventually you'll get to these points where, um, you just get into the zone and things just happen and yeah. it just flows out of you. It makes me think, um, so growing up, I was in acting was one of my main things, but I also played competitive volleyball. So I was kind of entrenched in both the like traditional sports and like really fine arts. But one thing that always came up across the board was either learning my lines before I go on stage and like studying your character or with volleyball, it's like learning the plays, understanding the footwork and the technical movement and like honing and really working on your body and your strength and um, drilling and practicing. It's like you do all of this prep work for both of these skills, but for both of them performing a scene or performing in a game, my coaches would always say, now you just throw it away. You've already done the work. You know your lines, you know the drill, you know your teamwork, you know the character throw it away and I was always like that's so strange that for both fine arts and sports it's like all of this drilling and prep work to throw it away and just let what you already know arise and that I mean don't let me put words in your mouth but it sounds very much like that is what you would consider like a moment of creativity it's like you throw it away and then the creativity can arise yeah you just allow your brain and your experience to work it's like you've done it so many times that like, yeah, you will make mistakes, but it's like more often than not, you, you should do what's right because you've practiced it so many times. And, um, and I, I recall also in sports when I was younger, it's you very rarely have coaches who tell you to release all that information. So I remember when I was probably going through middle school in baseball, like I would always think about like every time that we practice and a lot of times I would make mistakes just because I would overthink it. Sure. Um, and it really, I mean, it was years after I stopped playing baseball that that it just got really easy because then it was just in me. And I, I guess that was my point of relaxation when I didn't have to think about the practice and all of that. But it's like now I can do some of those things that um, that I had a lot of trouble doing, even though I practiced it a million times. And it, it really comes down to being able to see practice for practice. But when you're in performance, just, just let it happen and just try to yeah. relax. And it's, it's hard to teach people to do that. Absolutely. What do you think 
so to kind of speak to like what you were just saying years after you're not like professionally competing in this sport anymore it does get easier and I think so many people have that experience of like well the pressure's gone now and I can just like (laughs) chill and it gets so much easier it makes me think about the level of like fun and enjoyment that comes out of these things what would you say the relationship between like fun and play and creativity is Uh, I think it's just uh, really just tied to passion. Like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of things, like I said, you can learn a lot about a lot of random things that you just don't consider fun. And I mean, some of, I mean, we're in school, we have to learn about philosophy. We have to learn, take these math client classes, chemistry, physics. Um, and a lot of us have grown up to be, um, really process oriented so we can learn these things and be really smart and get straight A's, but we don't necessarily love to do that. Um, so when it comes to passion, it's like, that's what you, you want to play with. And that's what comes natural for you. It's probably one of the first things that you, you can relax doing. Um, if you're taking a math test and you're just nervous about doing it and you don't really like math, um, you're going to be a lot more anxious, but Mm. you'll be more confident, um, as an artist, if, if you've always done that and there's very little pressure and, and people will look at you and say, how do you do so well in this? Um, you don't even try that hard. Um, but those are the things that I'm trying to get teachers to recognize because, I mean, it's, it's a pretty common phenomenon for like teachers to say, oh, I have this one student who he never tries, but he gets straight A's and I don't yeah. know how to <laughs> get him to. It's like they have natural talents and skills and aptitudes, creative aptitudes towards that discipline. Um, and it's important that we recognize that because mm-hmm. a lot of times um, I think they do recognize it, but it's like we have to learn to see that as creativity and be able to cultivate it. We can't just keep trying to force them more information. I, I, I think when you have students like that, it's a good time to say, what can you create for me out of these formulas based off of what you know and give them those opportunities um, to think of new things and do mm, new things because yeah. um, learning can become boring if you're just so focused on the technical part of it right and the rote memorization of it versus the um combining and creating and evolving of it like those are very very different um so just now you mentioned something about like how you just you'll feel more confident going into something if you have that practice under your belt Um, But I think also some people are just more confident with creativity or going into something totally blind than other people may be. How would you define creative confidence and how would we start building that? Uh, That's a good question. Um, How would somebody be more confident in uh, I mean, I guess just, like I said, giving them the opportunities to do it and recognizing mm-hmm. those, recognizing for what it is. Um, I think a lot of times, like, you, you'll have students in these classes who are naturally creative. I mean, a teacher doesn't really have to cultivate it that much, um, but they just don't have time and they don't recognize it. And they, they're just like, save that for another day. Like, we have to yeah. learn this. And then you have the parents who are like, okay, that's fine and dandy that you're good in with this musical instrument, but let's get your math grades up and your science grades because none of that matters. Right. Like you need to go to business school. Um, yeah. So, so a lot of the creative confidence is in 
the, the acceptance of the environments that we're in, that creativity um, is important and regardless of how we're using it, um, I mean, it's probably the most powerful tool that we have for ourselves. Like we need to start to see it as an opportunity mm. um, and not as something that's just this free flow thinking that is just meaningless and um, it's not going to do anything. Right. So shifting gears just a little bit, I know we've touched on it throughout kind of this first part of the podcast, um, just because I think with creativity inherently, it is about how do you hone it? How do you practice it? Which, of course, calls school into question. And a really big part of your work is imbuing creativity into education and making those policy changes. Um I just want to open that up. What are some of the things you would like to talk about in terms of starting to really push creativity into the educational system? Uh, that's Really, it's just, for me now, it's kind of experimentation, but it's, mm. I think we just have such a huge opportunity right now in education because we have so many private schools and charter schools, um, especially you look here in Texas, um, that are a little more flexible and they're a little more open to uh, changing the traditional models of education. Um, so I just think it's really just important to have these conversations and there's always these uh, symposiums about creativity and all kinds of like lectures and meetings. There's a lot of people um, talking about it in the industry in so many different ways. Um, but I think it's just I think we need to continue to like not just talk to each other um, as industry professionals, but that we talk to parents and we talk to children and we teach it to children. Um, I think that's that's probably the most important thing for me is like trying to figure out a way that at the very least we can teach kids what the creative process is, what it looks like um, and and that they all have creative aptitude in some area. Um, and it doesn't have to be a subject school specific domain. There's a social domain, people who are like really good at like navigating relationships and bringing yeah, people absolutely. together. Um, I think that I wrote an article about that one a few weeks ago, but that's also a skill that you, you probably would only recognize on the playground or, or outside, but we don't assess kids outside. Um, but there's mm -hmm. people who are just naturally good at being leaders and doing different jobs. So we need to be able to recognize that cultivate that in school and say, hey, you may not have all these other tactical skills. You may not be the most smartest um, in math or science, reading all those things, um, but you're going to be a really good leader and we, we should put you in positions where you can lead groups and do things like that. Um, as, um, some students have like really good creative, like linguistic skills. They can communicate really well or they think really well about how to write. Um, so again, we need to be able to recognize all those things. So I think a big part of it is recognizing what we already do in the schools and kind of seeing that we can apply creativity here without having to change things. But I think it opens the door later um, to the acknowledgement that kids are skilled in all these different things. Um, and we usually are boxing them into a corner um, of, of things that they have to pre-select and do um, to sustain the economy that we already have. But mm. I mean, how much better would our world be if we could start to like really focus and think about what kids are really good at and try to find ways to really bring that into the classroom. And yeah, talking to parent, parents will help you identify those things because a lot of parents will tell you 
Um, my kids are really, really good in this, but they don't get to work in this in school. If you ask the students what you're good at, they'll tell you what they love and what they're passionate about. And generally, they don't get to work on those things in yeah. school. Um, so some of the research I will do will go directly to parents um, and to students to ask you, like, what's your top skill? What do you consider you, yourself to be the best at? Um, and kind of starting there and talking with teachers and having this cross collaboration, not just with teachers and administrators, but also with the parents and with the students um, so that everybody can sort of have a say in, in recognizing the creativity in the individual students, um, but helping them really to get to um, where they're most likely to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes back to um, what you were saying earlier about the um, inquisitive part of school. It's like not just boxing kids in, but recognizing the importance of that interdisciplinarity and, you know, merging across um, topics or subjects, but also honoring the different types of intelligence that um, kids can display and the different skill sets. And I do think that there is a tendency to, um, like you said, parents are like, I want you to go to business school. I don't want you to be an artist because I want you to be successful and be able to take care of yourself and your family, which of course is important. And I do think comes from a place of love and care for your kids, obviously. But like you said, how much better could the world potentially be if we really start honoring those other aspects and allowing kids to just embrace the places that they come alive and pursue that? Um, what would you say is the like most practical way that we could start implementing this into a school system? Uh, I had written like a short paper on um, maybe we just start by um, I, I thought maybe like different levels of education. Maybe it starts in middle school and it's one grade or going into ninth grade and we like do some sort of assessment for students where we we talk to them, we talk to their parents, we talk to teachers, uh, and we kind of evaluate whatever the parameters are to kind of determine like what is it, what is it that we would consider to be their best creative aptitude at this point. Um, and that's something that you wouldn't have to do like every single year, but if you can identify that either in middle school or early in high school, um, then we can just use that information and, and, and perhaps like, well, I'm sure it would be the case that a lot of students would fit into these similar many categories um, and and teachers could focus maybe on different pieces of this throughout the year. Um, It'd be hard to do an individualized curriculum for every single student, obviously. Um, But it's something that you could have counselors who actually talk with the kids regularly, kind of at least talk about. um, And if we kind of just broke as teachers, if we kind of broke everything down into like four or five categories and we say, okay, these students fit into this box creatively, these fit here, these fit here. Um, Those five pieces would be a lot more easy to implement than trying to um, figure out the creative process for seven or 700 students or 4,000 students, whatever size the school is. Um, So I think it's really just about starting somewhere, um, trying to streamline it the best we can. Like we we obviously won't capture every single thing um, when it comes to educating our students that way, but we will make it uh, where, well, they'll understand creativity a lot more. They'll feel a little more empowered 
um, and then when they go on to college or they, they become adults, um, they'll, they'll feel empowered enough that they can maybe navigate some of that on their own. Right. They at least have some kind of foundation for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you also mentioned that you know, encouraging kids in these specific areas like math, science, and the more typical um, school subjects is partially, I I forget exactly what you said, but um, to contribute kind of to society. And I think we have this concept of like, how do we raise kids to be functioning, productive members of society or um, money-making, economy-contributing members of society? What do you think the interplay between that concept of being a good society member and this new concept of creativity is? Do you think that creativity will help with that? Do you think that creativity challenges that concept? What, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I absolutely just think it's it's going to explode and help with it because like, like I was really good in math growing up and it's like I went into the arts, but it's like I, I wish someone had... I mean, allow me more freedom um, within mathematics to like, to really, I think at the time of the kid, as a kid, you kind of think these mathematical equations, they're fixed and they're, they're unchanging. Um, and you can be really good at systematically solving these problems. But I was never really creatively thinking about it, even though I, I had, I'm pretty sure I would have had the potential to do it. Somebody would have said to me, like, you can create new formulas for things or right, you can do this. It would have helped so much. So in regard to like, preparing students for the future and meeting economy expectations. Um, If we can start to recognize creativity within these disciplines, like I said, um, we can keep kids who have traits and natural abilities in those areas there, but we'll also create leaders who can think creatively in their positions and help move the field forward. Um, Right now, we're essentially just preparing students for filling a role within um, a corporation or organization, um, and most people, most employees aren't thinking creatively about how can I grow this um, this organization that I'm growing for. Right. It's like I'm just doing my job, and I'm that's all I'm here, and that's what we teach kids to do. You do your job, yeah. and you Checking make the your box. money. You retire. Where I mean, our economy is literally creatively uh, motivated by a, a handful of individuals. Um, so that's why I say, like, what could our world be where? Even as an employee, you go into an organization, you can say, this process can be better that I work in. Um, allow me to make changes to this. Um, when you give people that perspective that things aren't fixed, like they could always be better right. or they could always grow, um, we'll create more business leaders through that. Um, I think everything's going to tie back to the things we already find um, important um, nationally. Um, it's just important that we just empower people to um, think about the way that they contribute to their roles in the future um, better than we have been. Because it's not just about um, your test scores and how well you do in a subject and just going to go work a job for 40 or 50 years. Right. Not just being a cog in the machine, but yeah. or or preparing a a lot of this to me sounds like we're preparing students for the past not for the future even for the present but not for the future and it's like well by the time you're in the industry it will have already moved forward at least somewhat um and i think that there's so much value in saying we don't really know where the progress is going to go but we can help give you the tools and skills to 
help with that progress, to contribute to progress, as opposed to just checking boxes, being another gear that just spins and, you know, like you said, fills a role, does a job, because humans are so much more than that. You're so much more than just a carbon copy of what someone else can do. Awesome. Okay. So shifting gears kind of one more time, but to really tie creativity back to how we make meaning. Why do you think, I mean, obviously I buy into this and I believe in this wholeheartedly, but I would just love to hear you talk a little bit about why creativity is important and how it can help kids, but also adults find more meaning and passion in their daily lives or living a more creative life can help you discover more purpose. What, what do you think that looks like? I think it's it's just so important because it, it allows you to continue to grow. And it's, like I said, you don't get into this fixed perspective that mm. I have to play this specific role as a mom, a dad, I'm an employee. Um, and I just, I, I, you do all this work to get to where you want to be. And you essentially just, I mean, you exhaust yourself working for organizations up until retirement and eventually um for a lot of people, I mean, they may not even get to enjoy retirement or they might be gone before they even reach retirement. Totally, so it's, like, yeah. it's, it's interesting that we spend so much of our lives um, kind of just trying to learn, like become more technically proficient at everything. Um, so it's something that we're already doing, the, that level of creativity. But I, like I told you, we have to we have to learn to ask those questions. We have to learn to give ourselves space to relax. We're not used to doing that. Um, yeah. But for our general well-being, it's just going to allow us to not just get to a point where we feel like um, our tires are just spinning and we're not moving, um, but we'll be able to see the adaptability of life and we can take what we learn in one area. And, and like, I, like I said, I talked about that interdisciplinarity. We can continue to learn and grow new things. Um, I think that's such a big thing that can be said especially when you consider like politics and all these types of things like oh yeah there's so many people who who learn one field and that's all they know and that's all they care about and that's the only reality that they see but when you're a more open-minded person who's interested in learning everything that you can to 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 really motivate your creativity in a lot of ways um it helps you to to grow closer to other people um it helps you to be a better communicator um it helps uh it helps to solve a lot of our social environmental cultural problems that we have um when everybody's eager to learn more and to have conversations and to ask questions um we're bad at asking questions like we just we we just we we, we want to believe we always have the solution for everything and yeah and, and that's a problem and yeah absolutely i think that's <laughs> Forgive me if this is a weird word, but that's just really beautiful to me that, you know, that we can start at a young age giving kids and people the confidence to be curious and be brave with asking questions. And I do think that, um, you know, even though I think our society tends to have a lot of respect for people that always have the answer. It's like, what about honoring the bravery of saying, I don't know the answer, but we can try things and figure it out. And it's like, that is certainly um, what we need more of. Um, So that is just very powerful. Um, 
I would also and that's love... a powerful statement, I think, because imagine if you're the manager or supervisor of a place and, and you tell your the people under you, like, I don't have all the answers and we're here together, we're going to make these decisions. Like, how often does somebody in leadership say that to the yeah. to the people that they're working with? It's like, usually everybody's waiting for an answer of somebody above them, but empower people to make some of those decisions or be a part of those decisions and um, you'll get a lot further. You'll have a lot better buy-in within your organizations. They'll do better functionally um, and across the relation. The way that people work together will be a lot more proficient because again, they'll be more open um, to the fact that they don't have all the answers and the solutions totally. and they'll feel more empowered. Yeah, absolutely. So to narrow this back in, what has creativity meant to you in your life, in your personal journey with living with passion and purpose? How has creativity helped you personally with that? Yeah, so my whole evolution towards creativity, um, I, I think I've, I've been creative throughout my whole life. I never really understood creativity um, until I took a creativity and development class, thinking around like 2015. I mean, I was doing my first master's in, in the humanities uh, degree at Tiffin University. Um, and I remember just opening my mind to so many things and I started to see the world in a little bit different of a way. Um, but it wasn't until I actually finished up my MFA, my second master's, um, that everything just kind of like clicked. And um, I was doing my, I was doing my final presentation and I was kind of just talking about all my work. So I decided hey, I'm going to look back at all the work that I've done over the last 15 years and kind of show everyone my evolution. Um, and it was interesting to see that um, the way that I've always worked is I, I would take something that I know and I would incorporate it with something new. And you could see like this direct evolution of the work over those 10 years. Um, and generally, you have artists who might do something specifically for a while and then they come up with an idea and do something completely different. Um, but it's interesting to have that experience where you can see that, hey, I can take this idea that I've been working on and I, I do that for a while, but then I come up with a new idea, new concept that I just add to that and it continues mm. to grow. Um, and I kind of realized like create creativity is this evolution um, of the work that I was doing, but also in the way that I was navigating life at that point. Um, so I was, I was originally in school for architecture and I, I was switching back and forth between art and architecture um, for a while. Um, but then I'd, I'd moved to New Zealand for a few years and I was trying to figure out how I would incorporate art into my life. Um, so I had decided, okay, when I get back, I'm going to join the military. Um, and there's all these creative decisions that I made during that time that I was like, okay, I'm going to use these skills that I have to get to where I need to be. When I was in New Zealand, I was actually the head chef of this Italian restaurant, which is something I had done when I was... I ran like a small little pizza place when I was at Notre Dame. Um, so I was always constantly trying to like figure out how do I take the pieces of what I know um, and move on that and continue to move on that road towards success or um, reaching my telos in, in some sort of way. Mm. Um, and I've always and I, I continue to be very much that way. I'll, I'll constantly evaluate um, what are my skills now? What do I need to learn? Um, what do I need to, what steps can I take to move from here to there? Um, and, and that's very much why I'm so interested and passionate about um, showing kids what creativity is and showing teachers that it, it comes in every domain because I've seen it personally for myself. 
It's like if we can teach kids, not that they just need to have necessarily a job and be creative, but once you develop these skills and you start to see life that way, um, it will make it a lot easier for you to navigate life and navigate success when when you'll have challenges. Um, you, you can figure out creative ways around it. It doesn't necessarily um, have to be the end of your dreams if something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think even just the idea of like when you think that it's the end, it's like, like you said, creativity is taking something that you know and adding something new to it. It's like just because yeah. one thing feels like it's finished, you can always add something new. You can always yeah. try something new. You can always explore or take another step. And it's like and it, when you start it, to see that as a challenge, even it's like you can look at it as like the end and something stopped me and it's game over and right. my dreams are dead. Or you can see it as this is a challenge and a, and a problem that I can figure my way out of. If, yeah. If How I do we pivot? <laughs> Yeah, totally. That is really, really powerful, I think. And I think speaks to, again, the work that you do and the importance of continuing to practice it and encourage it. And like you said, have these conversations, but also talk to the people that it's impacting um, and the people who are in power in these areas and really communicate the importance of this. So I think that is just absolutely wonderful. Um, before we close out our conversation, is there anything that in light of what we've talked about or anything that you want to clear up, anything you want to clarify, anything you want to add, anything we didn't touch on that you would like to throw out there, anything at all? Not, not much at all, but I'd say keep doing what you're doing and continue to talk to different people and get different perspectives about different things. I'm sure the work that you're doing um, will evolve in a lot of ways that probably exceed your expectations just for the fact that you're, you're talking to so many people. And, and in many ways, that's what creativity is about too. I'm, I'm sure your process will change over time of how you do things just because yeah. you'll be able to see what works and what doesn't work and what new ideas are out there. Absolutely. Totally. Well, my last question that I always ask every guest is just what is one word to describe how you're feeling right now? I'm excited, I think. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's great. Tell us why. Tell us more. Um, I think just, again, having this opportunity to talk with you, seeing how excited you are even about some of these ideas. Um, and even, like I said, the conversations I have with other people would a lot of times when I feel like um, in the middle of a PhD and you're exhausted and you're yeah. being a father and a husband and all these other things working as a teacher, um, it's easy to get exhausted. But then you have these just um, these conversations like this and um, you just kind of realize like it is something that is well needed change. Um, it's something that I feel like a lot of people could easily get behind. And, um, and I'm excited for the possibilities of of how it could impact students in the future if if a lot of these types of initiatives start to start to roll. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, Vincent, thank you so much again for your time, for your expertise, for your energy. This has been so informative and empowering for me personally. I'm sure it will be for plenty of listeners. And I can't thank you enough. Yeah, thank you so much. 
Thank you all so very much for joining me today and listening to this wonderful conversation with Vincent. If you would like more of Vincent, you can find him on Instagram at creativev, and you can find his website www.creativev.com. If you would like more of Cohere, please hear to the CoherCollective.com or any social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, threads. I think that's just about it. All at the Cohere Collective. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lillian Reese Brown, if you so wish. And if you head over to any of Cohere's stuff, definitely leave us a comment what you were thinking about the episode. I would love to hear If you have not already, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening slash watching. Give me a five-star review or rating and leave a comment down below letting me know your thoughts. A big thank you to Nicole O'Striker for making Meanings Art and Podcast Cover. And you can find her on Instagram at Nicole O Creates or Nicole O Design. And a thank you to Tristan Morgan for making Meanings theme music. You can find him on Instagram at Tristan Morgan. Right now... I am feeling a little beat, if I'm honest. Um, it is the new year, and you know I'm I'm really trying hard to focus on going after that self care. But you know, going after that self care can be hard sometimes. But if you've made any resolutions or goals for 2024. Let this serve as a reminder to give yourself some grace. Um, Resolutions and goals don't happen overnight. Try and remind yourself where you've come from. Where were you this time last year? Have a little moment of reflection for all that you've already done and how much you've already grown. And then if you have a big goal that you want to work towards, take it step by step. You can do it. You've got this. And I'm so excited for what the future holds. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. Until next time, love.